Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio. Today we will showcase some remarkable young women who are doing extraordinary things as World Footprints takes you to the very first United Nations Grow Up Leadership Summit in Washington. Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in to World Footprints, the leading voice in socially responsible travel and lifestyle. We're your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and today we're going to share some positive footprints young women are leaving around the world. Thanks, dear. Girl Up is an innovative campaign of the United Nations Foundation that gives girls from around the world the opportunity to become global leaders and channel their energy, compassion, and capacity building for United Nations programs that help some of the world's hardest-to-reach adolescent girls. First, we'll share some special moments with the Girl Up participants in the United States and the young women of the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy in South Africa. The type of girls that come to our school are the girls that Mom Oprah considers as girls having the it better. Then senior speechwriter for President Obama, Sarah Hurwitz shares her experience with the Girl Up girls about life inside the West Wing. The most important part of any speech is stories. You know, I can go on and on and tell you that college costs this much, that healthcare costs that much, that this many people can't do this or that, but at the end of the day, you're not going to remember that. At the end of the day, you're going to remember the story of a person that I told. Also, UN youth champion, actress, and entrepreneur Monique Coleman of Disney's High School Musical and creator of Gimme Mo, an online talk show, drops in to share her inspirational address to the Girl Up Girls. As I was sitting there, all I did was essentially lift up a prayer. All I did was say, I'm willing to be a part of something greater than myself. And they came back and said, well, would you like to maybe take on a role of leadership? Finally, we'll introduce Pavlina Asta, a Florida teen who's making waves on the air with her very own radio show that brings celebrities, politicians, and personalities to a youth audience. I kind of just taught myself a little bit. I've gotten different advice from other interviewers and everything. But I don't know. I just kind of like came up with questions and like to ask people things. This is World Footprints with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. Visit us and connect with us at worldfootprints.com. World Footprints was honored to attend the very first Girl Up Leadership Summit in Washington, D.C. This program tackled some tough issues affecting girls around the world, such as ending child marriage which is another form of human trafficking, a cause that we've taken up at World Footprints. Let's learn about Girl Up from one of its teen advisors, Angelique, and how this program is fostering the next generation of global ambassadors. I'm Angelique, and I'm a teen advisor for the Girl Up campaign. The Girl Up campaign is an all, a for girls, by girls campaign with the United Nations Foundation dedicated to reaching adolescent girls in developing countries to provide them with access to a safe environment and education and, any, and support for their personal needs in their countries. We are so excited to meet with you. The Girl Up Leadership Conference provided an opportunity for girls from the United States and South Africa to connect to talk about issues affecting young girls the world over. Here are some of the cross-cultural exchanges that took place with the girls from the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy. My name is Rima and I'm a grade 11 student and I'll be telling you what our school is basically about. Um, so the school was opened in 2007 and obviously since it's called the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy for Girls, 
Um, it basically focuses on producing an, an, a new generation of, of women leaders and it's very nice here, you know, we engage in a lot of activities that make sure that we have a lot of um, opportunities in order to be able to have the skills that we need in order to lead the country in our future. And um, the type of girls that come to our school are the girls that Mom Oprah considers as girls having the it factor. So if we impress her with with our our vibe and you know our intelligence, being able to communicate with people and being able to express ourselves, you know, and being able to have a platform where we can show the importance of being girls and taking over this world is. So I would just like to say that we really, really appreciate being given the opportunity to speak to you all, and we hope that we'll be able to answer each and every question that you have for us. Thank you. <laughs> wow, that is absolutely amazing. We are so excited for you guys. Now we're going to have some questions from some other teen advisors here. Hi, guys. My name is Priyanka. And I was wondering how you and your school went about convincing your family and community about the importance of educating girls. As you guys know, our school is a um, leadership academy for girls only. And we have conferences and workshops that, that work on empowering women. So what happens is we have girls from um, communities all over South Africa. So whatever skills or anything that you have learned in the school, as we go to our homes, we, we, we talk to our families and our friends, sending the skills that we have acquired. In that manner, we send in the level of empowerment of women. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Who's up next? Oh, Avery. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, I was wondering, what was your life like before attending the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy? Hi. <laughs> Um, so, before I attended the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy for Girls, um, I came from a very uh, rooted Indian background where we were very cultured and I wasn't really exposed to many viewpoints of others. When I, when I came to OLAG, I was able to um, experience different perspectives and broaden my knowledge. Therefore, I now feel that I'm able to communicate on the best level. Thank you. And I have one more question. Um, were any of your friends in your home communities affected by child marriage? Well, being from an Indian culture, um, especially being Muslim, where there has been um, religious practices where children have been married earlier. And I have a friend who has been married at the age of 16. And this is because of the culture, and not necessarily many girls have been forced to do it, but it's also because they are willing to do it, and it's because of the culture that has been imposed. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lucy. I'm so excited to be speaking with you girls today. Um, I also attend an all-girls school, and I just wanted to know what it was like to attend an all-girls school in South Africa because I know at my own school I feel safe and comfortable expressing my ideas um, and expressing my views and my opinions. Um, and also, um, how have your leadership skills uh, changed or developed since attending um, OWLA? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, um, my name is Leanne 
And ODEC is a very nurturing environment and, and also um, a safe one because it's very supportive. We've got girls from different backgrounds who are individuals in their own right, you know, bringing the individuality to the table where we're exposed to different ideas. And therefore, I have taken the different, um, you can see the individualities and have formed the person that I want to be, you know, taking the different, you know, the levels of confidence and the leadership skills. And today I'm able to, like, you know, walk upright and be able to, like, make eye contact because I know that is one factor that contributes to um, confidence. And I'm able to, like, take the initiative of taking up leadership roles, whether it's being class monitor or heading um, a community project. Yeah. Thank you. We have one more question for you girls. Hi, um, I'm Itzaldo Gatto, and my question to you is, um, what do you dream of becoming in the near future? Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Gugu, and um, in the near future, I dream of becoming a better leader than what I am today. Not a leader that makes empty promises and doesn't work for the people, but a leader that stands for the people, that is for the people. And I believe that I can do this by becoming an economist with which um, is one of my passions, like economics is one of my passions. And I believe from what I've learned from being in that field and career is something I can take back to my community where they'll be able to um, learn from what I am giving them and how to manage their income that people are getting to improve their lives. Because as you may know, that the gap between the rich and the poor in South Africa is quite um, large and it will take a lot of effort to actually um, minimize the gap but I believe that through me being able to go back to my community and teach them, it would make their lives even more better in which they'll know how to spend their money. And so I'd like to become a leader in the economic field. Thank you. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but listening to these girls are really, really inspiring me right now. Oh, my gosh. You guys are amazing. And now that we've learned so much about you, we want to know, do you have questions for us? Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Amanda. And in South Africa, the, crime, the crimes committed towards women are astonishing and continue to violate the rights of women. Our question to you is, does your country experience the same problem? And if so, what do you do to alleviate the problem? Hi, it's Priyanka again. Um, domestic violence definitely still occurs in our country. It's frowned upon in our community and people who abuse women are often ostracized from society but domestic abuse isn't always reported and even though there's shelters and helplines women don't always reach out because they're afraid and so we still are working to ensure that all people who are abusive are actually prosecuted in our country. My name is Kendra, and I have a question to you. Is there um, still discrimination against women in your schools as well as in your community? Hi. Um, there is slight discrimination, but it's not obvious. It might be something like someone isn't asked to do some sort of project or be part of something because they're a woman, or there might be like a little dig, like you're a woman, so you might not be able to do that. But no one ever would be like, flat out say, I'm not going to hire you because you're a woman, and if they ever did, they would be immediately called out, and they'd, someone would say, you know, that's not cool. Um, so, if there really ever is discrimination, it's very subtle, but there's nothing blatant that people are doing, really. 
my name is Tee. I just wanted to ask, um, do you not fear that the emphasis on the promotion of girl power will lead to the disempowerment of boys? <laughs> That's a really, really good question. I like it. Um, well, first and foremost, the um, mission of Girl Up and similar non-for-profits are it's never to um, make boys feel bad or, or uh, blame boys for the problems that affect women and girls around the world. Um, how can we empower the 50% uh, of the global population without utilizing the other 50%, which are the boys? Um, you can empower, you tell the stories of the girls you know to your brothers, your fathers, your, um, your uncles, any other male relatives, because in actuality, so many boys are willing to um, get involved with your cause, and they feel empowered by your, your inspirational stories, your eloquence. Um, and also, I want to add that, um, in turn, these boys, um, sorry, <laughs> um, these boys will actu uh, actually um, join you on your mission, and ultimately, it'll create such big global change. So continue with your amazing work. It's amazing to talk to you. Hi, my name is Sinovile, and my question to you is, are there any activities and outreach programs in your schools and communities that promote the, the importance of women empowerment? Hi, um, yes. Um, I go to an all-girls school, and there I uh, feel safe, and they definitely empower me to go into every career that I would want to go into, um, especially math and science, um, which is an area that's usually dominated by men. Um, so there are programs that come to my school and offer placements um, in their labs for girls in my school to um, continue um, their interest in science, uh, but definitely humanities too. There are programs like Girl Up um, that give leadership opportunities to teen advisors and everyone else in this room. So there are definitely a lot of things that um, uh, empower women here in the United States. Thank you. Hi, I forgot to tell you guys, the reason why you see so many wonderful faces here today is we're all united from all across the United States here in Washington, D.C. for our first ever Girl Up Leadership Summit. And speaking about empowering boys, today all of these girls, including myself, are going to learn about how we can get the guys involved to help spread the world about Girl Up and make this change even bigger today. And I think we want to open up questions to our wonderful audience. So who would like to ask a question? Two questions. You over here? Right. <laughs> um, hi, y'all can't see me, but my name is Jane, and I'm actually a president of my club, and I started another club with Better Brothers, so we actually have boys involved in the city of Los Angeles helping the girls in Africa and all over different countries to support y'all. So we actually have an American from us out right now. One more. Who's going to be the lucky one more? Anybody? Somebody. Hi, guys. Um, I'm Annie, and I'm just wondering... Like, so what are your favorite subjects and what kind of extracurricular things do you guys do? Um, I take economics, advanced mathematics, physical science, accounting, and your normal four compulsory subjects, which are English with us, Afrikaans, normal mathematics, and life orientation. Um, after school, I'm very passionate about netball, so I'm a netball player. I play marimba, and... Also, I genuinely just love music, so I'm also in the choir, and that's what I do after school and during school. Wow. Awesome. Do you, 
do you girls have any last questions for the audience or teen advisors or anybody? <laughs> um, my question to you is, um, in South Africa, most of the girls, when we come from the townships, it's very difficult for us to comprehend what it's like in real life. And we don't have much experience or um, outreach programs from um, our parents and our community leaders. So I was wondering if there's the same problem in America that where um, communities are affected by the lack of involvement of the government and your leaders and your parents and there's not much of that support in there. Hi, um, my name's Yvonne and um, I came here with Garfield High School and we live in a community of um, Hispanic immigrants. So our parents, we do have that problem because our parents don't know what it's like to go to school here. So my peers and I, we try our best to to you know get an education, to apply to college, and it's still a new deal for us. So we do have that problem within our communities here. So. Okay, thank you. Wow, this has been. This has been absolutely amazing meeting with you guys. I thank you so much. We all inspired and all happy and just feel good about this conversation. Uniting girls to lead the world, to change the world, literally, South Africa to America. After the break, presidential speechwriter Sarah Hurwitz shares her experience inside Washington's power corridors with the girls of Girl Up. The most important part of any speech is stories. You know, I can go on and on and tell you that college costs this much, that healthcare costs that much, that this many people can't do this or that. But at the end of the day, you're not going to remember that. At the end of the day, you're going to remember the story of a person that I told. As World Footprints continues. Hey, this is Amy. I'm from Manitoba. Woo, Manitoba. I love listening to World Footprints Radio. It rocks my socks. Are you planning a vacation, a business trip, or a honeymoon abroad? Want to enhance your trip and make a meaningful contribution to the places you visit? Packforapurpose.org can show you how. Before you travel, visit Packforapurpose.org. It's easy to make a big impact. Hi, my name is Jeannie. I am from Fiji. I love listening to World Footprints Radio. And now, more of World Footprints Radio with your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to World Footprints. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. The Girl Up Leadership Conference provided some unique opportunities for dialogue between young women and some of the leading women in power positions here in the nation's capital. One such leader, Sarah Hurwitz, President Obama's senior speechwriter, is a power player in her own right and is one of the most influential women in the West Wing. She's seen firsthand the President's commitment to women of all ages, especially young women, a topic she addressed with the Girl Up participants. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Amy Kianaga, and I'm a Girl Up Teen Advisor from Chevy Chase, Maryland. And it is a privilege for me to introduce our next speaker, especially because this past summer I actually had the opportunity to, to deliver 16,000 signatures to end child marriage from Girl Up supporters across the country. Um, <laughs> Sarah works at the White House as the Special Assistant to the President, Senior Advisor to the Council on Women and Girls, and Senior Presidential Speechwriter. And before working at the White House, Sarah served as a speechwriter on the Obama campaign and on the presidential campaigns of Senator Hillary Clinton, General Wesley Clark, Senator John Kerry, and Senator Tom Harkin. 
Sarah has also worked as an attorney for Wilmer Hale and is a graduate of Harvard Law School. We are so excited to have you here, Sarah. Thank you. Well, it is a total pleasure to be here today. Um, I really want to start by thanking Annie for that introduction, and I want to thank her for all of the work that she does as a teen advisor for Girl Up. Um, I actually watched her video on the Girl Up website, and it was terrific, so I think we should all give her a round of applause. <laughs> but um, most of all, I really want to thank all of the girls who are here today and across the country for being part of this amazing organization. You know, many of you aren't even old enough to vote yet or to drive yet, and, but you're just changing the lives of thousands of girls around the world. You know, you're helping them go to school for the first time and go to a doctor for the first time and get all of these opportunities to fulfill their potential. And the way you're doing this is by telling their stories. You're doing it by making sure that their voices are heard. And, you know, as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk with you about today, it kind of occurred to me that that's actually a pretty important job, part of my job at the White House as well. Um, as Annie told you, I split my time between two roles. I spend part of the time working as a speechwriter for the President and the First Lady. And more than anything, a big part of that job is about telling people stories. You know, if I'm going to write a speech about higher education, then I'm going to want to tell the story of a young person like all of you who wants to go to college but she can't afford it. Or if I'm writing a story about healthcare, I'm going to want to tell a story about a mom or a dad or a kid who can't get healthcare even though they're really sick. Because the truth is, the most important part of any speech is stories. You know, I can go on and on and tell you that college costs this much, that healthcare costs that much, that this many people can't do this or that, but at the end of the day, you're not going to remember that. At the end of the day, you're going to remember the story of a person that I told. And there's actually one story in particular that I want to share with you guys today. And this is a couple of years ago, I was working on a speech for President Obama about a group of women in Africa, in Zimbabwe. Now, these women had devoted their lives to fighting for democracy and human rights in a country where there is really not a lot of either. And these days, would, these women would spend their days speaking out about issues they cared about, issues like hunger and like violence against women, and how their government would actually put people in prison for something as simple as holding a protest or giving a speech that the government didn't agree with. And in President Obama's speech about these women, I had the chance to help him tell their story. And in that speech, he talked about how these women would hold protests in the street. And even when they were kidnapped or beaten by the police, even when they faced death threats, they still kept speaking out. And he talked about how even when these women were thrown into jail, they were so committed to the principle of nonviolence that they would actually hold workshops in their jail cells where they would try to teach the prison guards about the principles of love and democracy. And I remember how proud I felt watching President Obama give that speech. But I felt even prouder in the days that came after the speech when we learned that the speech was actually circulating around Zimbabwe. People were literally sending the speech around on emails and posting it on blogs, and they were passing it from person to person. And I remember thinking, what a powerful message President Obama has sent to these women and to women all across Zimbabwe, saying to them, you know, we, know, we hear your stories. We know what you're doing. Your story matters to us, and no matter what happens, you are not alone. And in many ways, I actually feel like that's a key part of my other role in the White House as well, which is working on the Council on Women and Girls. I don't know if you're familiar with this council, but President Obama started it back in 2009, shortly after he was elected, 
And the idea was very simple. It's to make sure that the needs of women and girls are incorporated into every law, every program, every policy that the government creates. So if the government is working on health care, the council is going to ask, what are you guys doing to make sure that women can get prenatal care and breast cancer screenings and other stuff they need? If, it's, if they're working on education, we're going to say, hey, guys, you know what? There are disparities in math and science in girl, between girls and boys. What are we doing to address that? If it's foreign policy, we're going to be asking, what are you doing to make sure that girls around the world can go to school and get health care and be safe from violence? And in the end, the idea behind this council, it's not just for the council to stand up for women and girls. It's actually for us to raise awareness so that everyone else is standing up for women and girls too. And I really wanted to be here today because I think that is such an important part of what you guys are all doing through Girl Up. You know, I don't have to tell you that you're changing the lives of girls around the world. You know that, okay? You can see that today. But what you, I don't think you might not realize is just how much you're changing the lives of people here in America and how important that is for the girls that you're trying to achieve. See, with every fundraiser you host, with every Facebook post you write, with every friend who you educate about these issues, you're helping Americans see the world differently. So the fact is that so many people here in America, they don't know about the challenges that girls around the world are facing. You know, they're really busy with their own lives and their own challenges, and they don't necessarily have the time to learn about what's going on. But you guys are the ones who are opening your eyes, their eyes. You know, you're showing them that when millions of girls can't go to school or get health care or be safe, that's a serious moral crisis. And it's also a serious opportunity. You know, you guys are the ones who are telling people about the girl effect, how when we invest in girls, it lifts up their families, it lifts up their communities. So when people turn on the news and they have that in their head and they hear about a developing country, they're going to ask themselves, huh, I wonder what they're doing about the girls there. If they read about a conflict situation in the newspaper, some go something going on in a foreign country, they're going to ask themselves, all right, I wonder, I wonder if the girls there are safe. And when they have an opportunity to donate their money, and they're trying to think about where can I really invest my money where it's going to make a difference. If you've talked to them, if you've educated them, they're going to think, you know what, girls are a good investment, and that's where they're going to put their money. So, and I think when you change people's minds like this, when you open their hearts like this, people don't go back. That is a perspective that they will take with them for the rest of their lives. So you all aren't just helping girls with your work. You're creating this army of people who are going to go out and help girls with their own efforts in ways that you cannot even imagine right now. And that work could not be more important. You know, I remember back when I was working on that speech, the president's speech about those women in Zimbabwe, and I read an article that someone had written about these women. And the reporter who was asking the article, she asked these women, how can you endure so much violence? You know, what keeps you going in the face of such overwhelming odds? And the women responded simply, each other. That was what kept them going. They had each other. They cared about each other. They wanted to lift each other up and to improve each other's lives. And I think more than anything, that's really what you all are doing through Girl Up. You're giving people here in America who care about girls each other. You're bringing people together. You're inspiring them and you're empowering them. And you're also giving girls around the world each other. You are saying to these girls, your lives matter to us. We believe in you, and you, no matter what you are going through, you are not alone. So I really wanted to be here today just on behalf of the White House Council on Women and Girls and on behalf of the President and the First Lady to say that we are so proud of what you're doing. We are inspired and impressed by what you're doing, and we're just looking forward to seeing all that you all continue to do in the months and years ahead. So I want to thank you, and I'm uh, happy to take some questions.
So we have a handful of teen advisors that I know have prepared some questions. Okay. So if Annie, we'll start with you, okay? So the work that you and the president um, are doing is mm -hmm. amazing to advocate for girls, but I'm just wondering what it's like for you to be a woman in such a high-profile um, political position. That's a good question. Um, you know, it's actually pretty easy, I think, to be a woman in this White House because there are just so many high-level women in this White House. You just have to remember, this president was raised by a single mom and by a grandmother who is very influential. He has a wife and two daughters. You know, he's very much aware of the needs and concerns of women and cares deeply about these issues. So I actually think it's, it's pretty comfortable in this White House for women. I mean, I do think that as women, Frankly, like we still deal with a lot of the issues of balancing work and family. That's something that I think a lot of women still deal with more than men. Um, I've always thought, I don't know how if it's changed when you guys were young, but I've always thought, you know, things will be things will be right when girls in college are sort of as worried about boys about how am I going to balance work and family when they are like having discussions about that because I don't necessarily think that boys think about that in the same way that girls do. So I think that can be a challenge for a lot of people, but in general, I think. This White House is a great place to be a woman. Up next, actress Monique Coleman takes center stage as she seeks to inspire the next generation of young women. As I was sitting there, all I did was essentially lift up a prayer. All I did was say, I'm willing to be a part of something greater than myself. And they came back and said, well, would you like to maybe take on a role of leadership? As World Footprints continues. Hi, my name is Emeline. I'm from Korea. I love the Footprints Radio. Did you know that World of Footprints has something for everyone? From great radio shows with celebrity guests and the latest travel news and information to dynamic travel deals and more. Make WorldFootprints.com your first stop. Also, don't forget to visit the Travel Marketplace for sales on travel essentials and services. Hi, my name is Elaine, and I'm from California, and I like World Footprints Radio. You're listening to World Footprints Radio, awarded as the best travel audio podcast by the North American Travel Journalists Association. Here's Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to World Footprints. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick. Actress Monique Coleman is best known for her role as Taylor McKessie in High School Musical. But as an entrepreneur and social activist, Monique is motivating a new generation of young women to think differently about their futures, as she did at the Girl Up Leadership Conference recently held in Washington. It's actually kind of emotional for me to even watch this right now because this is where I was exactly one year ago. And uh, for six consecutive months, I devoted my time uh, as a volunteer traveling all over the around the world doing this. And so it's, it's, it's incredible to be back here and to share my experiences because I think girls are so much at the center of what's happening all around the world. So today I just kind of want to paint a picture. And thank you so much, Remy. It's nice to see you again, sweetheart. Um, I really kind of want to paint a picture of how I went from High School Musical to this <laughs> um, because I think it's an interesting journey and one that, that many of you might be interested in. How many of you saw High School Musical, by the way? Okay. Okay. So you guys all know that I played the brainy Taylor McCassie, right? Smartest girl in school. Um, so after High School Musical was over, I had a really interesting moment because I was significantly older than the rest of the cast. Many of you may not know that. I'm not a teenager. Haven't been for a long time. Um, and so I was playing about 10 years younger than my character. And when it was over, I had this realization uh, that a lot of times in Hollywood, 
people seem to kind of lose themselves. And it isn't to pass judgment on anyone. It's just simply to say that it happens. Because when you go from zero to 100 and you see yourself on billboards and posters and all around the world and you have this whirlwind of an experience, sometimes you don't remember who you are. And so after it was over, I wanted to face myself and look in the mirror and say, Mo, now that this is leaving you, how are you not going to go away with it? And so what I did was I did something that I don't think a lot of people do is I let it go. I let go of the idea of fame. I let go of the idea that I was special. I realized um, that I had an incredible opportunity here and that the reason why High School Musical was as successful as it is, uh, besides from how cute Zac Efron is um, and the songs, is the people. Each and every young person that watched this film is what made High School Musical so successful. And I thought about that and realized that High School Musical didn't have any swearing. High School Musical, nobody made out. High School Musical was a G-rated movie. G-rated. It's really hard to get a G rating, okay? <laughs> G-rated movie. What that said to me was that young people are craving positive content. Young people have a desire to do good, to be good, and is there something that I could do possibly to contribute to this in some way? And so that's when the idea for the organization and company that I started came called Gimme Mo. And Gimme Mo is an online talk show and resource for young people that really empowers you through safe conversation about real issues. I felt like before young people find themselves in situations that they didn't really mean to be in or they need information, I wanted them to have access to the right information. And so that's where Gimme Mo came from. And around this time, it was August of 2010, I got invited to do the closing remarks at the United Nations that launched the International Year of Youth. Now, I had no idea. It was International Youth Day, and I'm there. The Secretary General is there. I'm dying. I'm, like, literally sweating bullets, like, trying to keep my underarms down because I'm so scared that I'm going to have these huge sweat marks running down my sides because I just can't believe that I'm here. Like, what did I do to get here? And I'm standing there, and I'm like, wait a minute. The International Year of Youth, when did that happen? And I find out that it didn't happen. It was happening. And today was the day that was marking the beginning of the International Year of Youth. And I thought, okay, wait a minute. I just started an organization for young people. I love young people. I know a lot of things that are going on. How did I not know about this? And if I don't know about this, I'm sure there are other people that don't know about it either. I have to tell everybody. And so while I was sitting there, I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe there's a, a brownie I could bake or a, I don't know, like how, how can I use my platform? And this is when I took a huge leap of bravery and I sent the United Nations an email. I don't know, you know, like remember when people used to write letters to the president? I took a chance and I wrote a letter to the United Nations and basically said that. I said, listen, you know, I'm willing to be of service. I, I don't know what you need. But whatever you need, um, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll help you fundraise. I'll help you raise awareness. I'll, I have a megaphone. I have a group of young people that are followed this film. Whatever you need, I'm willing to do it. A couple months later, uh, I imagine they probably had to do a few background checks to make sure that I wasn't crazy. Um, but a couple months later, they appointed me the first ever United Nations Youth Champion. Thank <laughs> you.
And it's just incredible because I really, first of all, I didn't expect that. <laughs> you know, I was just really expecting them to say, sure, tweet about it. Um, <laughs> but when they gave, that, gave me that role, it was one of those moments, I call it my divine appointment, because it didn't exist. And literally, as I was sitting there, all I did was essentially lift up a prayer. All I did was say, I'm willing to be a part of something greater than myself. And they came back and said, well, would you like to maybe take on a role of leadership? But it didn't stop there. Because another thing that I've noticed is sometimes people take themselves a little too seriously and take position a little too seriously. And so the fact that I had this position, to me, was only the gateway to an opportunity to actually do something to make a difference. I was sitting in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, to me, was not the best place to represent the youth of the world. So the first thing that I said to them was, you know, I'd like to travel, you know, I, I feel like I should, should go places and, and talk to kids and, you know, get myself out there, and, and, and they were like, well, okay, wait, 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 that sounds great, but, you know, we don't have a budget for this year, we weren't expecting to appoint someone in this position, and that's when I had to make a choice. I had to stop and think to myself, is this something that I'm going to pass up because they don't have a budget? Or am I going to dig into my own pockets, recognize the blessing that I have with doing High School Musical, and invest not only in myself and this opportunity, but invest in the youth of the world? And I chose the latter. So I ended up self-funding this trip around the world. And when I left, I had one plane ticket bought, and I knew what I was going to do for about a month, but that was it. And when I got back, I had traveled to 24 countries, I had met girls who had been trafficked in the Philippines. I had met boys who had escaped conflict in Colombia. I had uh, seen children in the most extreme poverty in Bangladesh. I had slept at a refugee camp in Kenya. I had met with the highest level government officials from presidents to foreign ministers. And I'd gone to the best international schools and seen and touched and hugged hundreds and thousands of young people. And it was a mind-blowing experience. What I learned from the trip, and this is where I'm going to go to my notes so I don't forget anything, but what I learned from the trip more than anything is that young people, regardless of their situation, their circumstance, more than anything, just want to have a voice. They want to be heard, and they want to feel like they have the opportunity to contribute. So ladies, my message to you is if you want to say something, say something. If you want to make a difference, then do something. You don't have to wait for someone to give you permission or open a door or have a budget for you to do the things that are in your heart to do. Now as we know, that's not so simple in many places because when you lack clean drinking water, are burdened with caring for your younger siblings, are excluded from getting an education or forced into child marriage, chances are it might be difficult to believe that they can really make a difference. But the truth is, is you can with a little bit of help. And these situations that I just described are actually really true in many parts of the world. And so that's why it's our responsibility, the girls that are in this room right now, it's our responsibility to be the voice for those who haven't yet found their voice. 
because I'm telling you, girls are the answer. I got to visit this sanitation project in Kenya, and I remember thinking, like, sanitation, I, I honestly didn't know what that meant, so I was like, poop, water, like, wh what do we got here, you know, like, what should I wear, basically, like, you know what I mean? I was like, okay, can I have a mask? And I get there, and I come to this room, and it's all these sewing machines and these ladies, and I was like, okay, what kind of sanitation project is this? Like, where's the, where's the dirt? And I realized that it was a sanitation project where this woman in the community, Sister Anne, she had uh, started making sanitary napkins for girls who had to drop out of school because they, when they got their menstrual cycle every month, they, there was nothing to do. And I was like, well, well, no. I mean, there's obviously not nothing to do. Like, what do they do? And she said, well, they go and sit under a tree. And I said, what do you mean they go and sit under a tree? They literally just, they make like a sack of sand, and then they go and they sit under a tree. And so this woman had noticed that she had created this link between the fact that these girls were missing at least a week out of the month of school, and then eventually they just stopped going. And I attribute that not to the situation, but to the shame and the embarrassment of every single month going out and sitting under this tree. And so observing the sanitation project and seeing the ingenuity of this woman who made um, sustainable sanitary napkins, they were reusable for a year and gave them to these girls, that something so simple could make such a huge impact. So I'm telling you, girls are the answer. We have to realize that every single day we have an opportunity to aim higher, to reach farther, and to learn more. We in this room have the responsibility to help stop violence against women and girls. We have to instill self-worth and esteem. We have to teach boys to respect girls and girls to respect themselves. We have to empower, inspire, and support girls through their diverse challenges. And I want to speak briefly on leadership because that's why we're all here. Leadership isn't always a choice. I think sometimes it's actually thrust upon you. And so whether you are, you know, a leader because it's something that you've always wanted to do or you just kind of find yourself in a leadership role, I want to share a few things that have helped me, um, I think, become a better leader. The first thing is to let go of anything that doesn't serve you. Leadership requires discipline, responsibility, and service. So negative thoughts, bad habits or anything that weighs you down has to be left behind if you're going to step into a role of leadership. The second thing, and this is the one that I struggle with the most, is that to be a great leader, you have to move out of your own way. I want you to think about that for a second. Move out of your own way. What I mean by that is you can't let your personal limitations be that of your leader. Remember that the causes that we're fighting are actually bigger than us. We are simply the vessels through which they manifest. So I often feel underprepared, underqualified, not quite ready. But if we waited, if the world waited for us to be ready, nothing would ever get done. You may never be ready. You may never feel 100% prepared. You may never feel that you have what it takes but you have to trust that you do and that at every step that you get to, you will be greeted with more knowledge, with more answers, with more understanding. The next thing I think is to become comfortable with what you don't know. In fact, 
I suggest that you seek out moments that make you uncomfortable. And the more uncomfortable, the better. This is how you know that you're growing. When you find yourself in a room where you feel like people are smarter, more driven, more ambitious, better prepared, my, my thought is that's awesome. I always say that there's this fine line between being inspired and intimidated. But if you walk that line with grace, you will always fall on the side of inspiration. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. If every time you walk into a room you know everyone, you're not uncomfortable enough. If every time you're sitting somewhere you have all the answers, you haven't learned enough. Find yourself in places and situations that make you shake, that make you sweat, where you fear from the bottom of your core that you aren't enough. And that's the magic moment that I believe everything around you helps to show you and to prove to you that you are more than enough. You have more than enough inside of you. Because if you can't come to that place with everything that we have, with these lights, with these clothes, with this water, with everything that we have, if we can't come to that, how are we going to help girls in developing countries come to that realization? We have to do it first. We have to liberate ourselves in order to liberate anyone else. And the last thing that I think is essential to, be, to being a great leader is to make friends with fear. I don't think that everyone should sit around and say, don't be afraid, stop being afraid. You know, fear is the enemy. Fear is not the enemy. Fear is your best friend. Because when you find yourself in new situations, you're often going to be afraid. But if you waited for the fear to go away, the opportunity or the moment may pass before that ever happens. So you have to learn how to strap fear on your back and carry it with you into situations. That when you're standing there and you're like, I, just back there, I was telling Amy, like, oh, my God, I always get so scared to get up there and talk to people. And she's like, how are you afraid? I'm like, I just am. I don't mean to be. I don't want to be. It's not like I'm like, oh, yay, welcome. Hey, fear. You know, thanks for showing up. But if I, if I just allowed the fear, I'd still be in the back of the room sitting back there thinking, oh, my God, this is so beautiful. She's so awesome. Oh, wow, that, that video was so inspiring. Oh, my God, these girls are so beautiful. And I wouldn't be up here sharing my experiences. So you have to make friends with fear. You have to understand that sometimes it's not going to leave before you open your mouth. But when you open your mouth, that fear gets transformed. It gets transformed into new energy, positive energy that can inspire other people. Because again, when you overcome that fear, when you have that courage, other people can feel it and other people can be inspired and know that they can do the same thing. You liberating yourself of your fears and moving through them liberates other people in the same way. And I want to share a quote with you. It's one of my favorite quotes that I found. It's by this woman named Eve Ensler, and I consider her one of our brave warriors in the fight to end violence against women. She says this, When we give to the world what we need the most, it heals the broken parts in each of us. I'm going to say that one more time. When we give to the world what we need the most, it heals the broken parts in each of us. If you need love, give love. If you need joy, give joy. 
If you need understanding, seek and give understanding. Whatever you need the most, give it every single day. Give every last drop of it. And you will be blessed abundantly for everything that you give out. So my plea to you today is let's bond together as women and as girls. Because if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? Thank you so much. Coming up, we'll introduce you to Pavlina Asta, a dynamic teen who's making her mark in radio with her own show. I kind of just taught myself a little bit. I've gotten different advice from other interviewers and everything. But I don't know. I just kind of like came up with questions and like to ask people things. Next is World Footprints Continues. Hi, my name is Anna. I'm from Romania. Make sure you don't miss the World Footprints Radio. Don't have the time to give back to the community? No time to socialize or network? Then volunteer with One Brick. Volunteer only when it fits your schedule, and then join us for food, drinks, and great conversation afterwards. It's a great way to meet new people, have fun, and help the community. Join us at www.onebrick.org. That's www.onebrick.org. One Brick. Volunteering made easy. Hi, my name's Jennifer Jones, and I'm from Glasgow in Scotland. I love listening to the World Footprints radio show online. And now, more of World Footprints Radio with your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to World Footprints. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. Most 14-year-olds listen to the radio, but Pavlina Osta is on the radio with her own show, Pavlina's Kids Place which airs every Saturday morning on WAPN in Holly Hills, Florida. This young prodigy has interviewed major celebrities like Kevin Jonas and a host of politicians in her home state of Florida. And she got her start in radio by pursuing her passion, playing the steel drums as a street musician. Pavlina, welcome to World Footprints. Yeah, so thank you for having me. Well, you know, you started, uh, your, your beginning is so interesting to me. You started playing the steel drums at the age of 10. Help me connect the dots. How did you go from being a, a street musician to a radio host? Well, um, I started out with the steel drums from my elementary school that had a program for the fifth graders. And from there, when I was going from elementary to middle school, I, over the summer, I wanted my own steel drums made, I guess. So Tommy Reynolds from Hamilton, Joe Frank and Reynolds, they had a song in the 70s. Um, he made my steel drums, sent them over to Trinidad to get them chromed and everything. And then from there, I just um, started on the beach as a street musician. And then I was getting interviews um, for the for, like the steel drums and everything. And then they like were doing a voiceover one time. They are like, oh, you should start your own radio show. So that's how I started. Wow. Now, how did you learn the art of interviewing? Because it is an art. Yes, well, I don't know. I kind of just taught myself a little bit. I've gotten different advice from other interviewers and everything. But I don't know. I just kind of, like, came up with questions and like to ask people things. And you've interviewed a number of celebrities. Who's been your most memorable interview? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, <laughs> That's kind of like asking, like, what's your favorite um, interview? Because, like, a lot of people ask that and everything. And it's like, I don't have a favorite. But um, 
Let's see. Um, my most memorable would probably... I don't really have one, but um, Wanda Jackson uh, was pretty memorable. Um, Kat Von D, I actually thought... I kind of prejudged her a little bit, and I thought she was going to be a little, like, rougher with me and stuff, mm. but she was actually really nice. That was pretty memorable, too. Mm. And has there been an interview that, um, before you started, that you were a little bit nervous about? Has it been, like, a nerve-wracking interview for you? I'm usually pretty calm with all my interviews. Um, the only one I would say I got a little, like, whoa, this is pretty crazy, um, is with Miranda Cosgrove, because... Um, it was backstage, and we had to go down, like, these, like, steep steps and everything, and then we went into this black hallway that had, like, computers lined up and everything, and then, like, on one side, and then on the other side, there were um, the dressing rooms and everything, and I was just like, this is so cool. It, it looked really cool, so. How do you, how do you get, at, at such a young age, um, really, how do you get such access to these guys? Well, I usually email their publicist, and from there we... Um, see if they get back with us and everything. And if they do, then that's, you know, we get the interview. Good for you. You know, you're you're a really great role model for young people. Is there a message that you're trying to send through the work that you're doing? And if so, what would you, for example, what would you tell a young listener today who has a dream but is afraid to pursue it? Well, um, you should never be afraid of your dreams and everything, but hard work um, is something that, like, I think you realize a lot with my interviews. Like, uh, Vince Carter, he had a lot of hard times with um, bullying and everything, and, like, people were always mean and stuff. But if you, like, listen to my interviews with celebrities and everything and sports heroes, you learn that they had to do a lot of hard work, but they could still do it, and they know, went through with the obstacles that they had. You raised something I wanted to to ask you about. You know, you're a a very popular young lady, I'm sure, but with popularity comes some jealousy, and there's been a lot in the news about bullying. How have you dealt with any jealousy or bullying at at school, or have you had to? Um, It kind of depends on, like, if I got an interview or something, but... um, I don't know, like, I, I've i gotten bullied a couple times. It hasn't been anything too bad, usually because, I don't know, like, teachers always seem to, or administrators always seem to be around everywhere. But kids are usually pretty nice with me. Um, I was actually voted most likely to be famous uh, for our yearbook thing, which I thought was really nice, and I was happy for that. But um, I, it's usually, like, you know, a couple, like, boys or something would be, like, mean about an interview or something. But... I just kind of, like, deal with it, and um, you have to have, like, you know, thick skin and stuff. So, um, yeah, and then, like, my interviews really help because they always, like, I always ask, what obstacles did you guys have to overcome? And, like, they would tell me, usually um, it's, like, I had to overcome bullying or something, and, like, that that also helps me, too, because I'm giving advice to other kids, but I also use it for myself. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, piggybacking on your question to some of those celebrities, what are some of the obstacles that you're facing or you're having to overcome? Um, a couple. I I'm not, I don't really have too many obstacles because, you know, I've got, like, a nice uh, thing. But um, I guess bullying would be a little bit of one. I, I don't have it too bad, but that would probably be my obstacle. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think you're handling it um, quite well, and you're you know you're you're moving forward in a very positive way and sharing positive messages, and I think that's that's very important. Um, now, I want to circle back to your um, your passion of uh, steel drum playing. Are you still performing? I still perform every once in a while. Um, I've been kind of busy with all my dance and interviews and everything and catching up with all my school stuff, but I perform every once in a while, yeah. Do you ever sleep, my dear, between ballet, between school, between interviews? (laughs) When do you have time? I I try to uh, fit in some sleep in there every once in a while. (laughs) Every once in a while, and I'm sure you're a straight-A student, too, aren't you? (laughs) Yes, I try to get uh, straight A's and everything. I got into IB, so I'm happy I got into that and everything. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, what what is next for you? I mean, you're you're in the are you in the ninth grade right now? I'm in eighth grade. Eighth grade. Oh my goodness. Okay, so you have a few more years before you have to think about college. But you know, with this the the background that you've built for yourself, where do you see yourself? going in, say, the next 10 years? What would you like to study in in college? I would like to be in the entertainment business, like, you know, recording, maybe some uh, shielding interviews, performing, and all that stuff, Um, and probably keep up with my dance, like, with Juilliard and all that. Ah. Are you, uh, do you travel around the country at all when you're dancing or performing? Um, Yes, I'm actually going up, this is um, my second summer, But I'm going up to New York again for um, Joffrey Ballet, so I'll have some ice packs on my ankles again. Oh, bless your heart. (laughs) (laughs) And what about traveling? I mean, have you been outside of the country, or um, do you have a favorite place to travel to in uh, the United States? New York is, like, my hometown. Well, it's not my hometown, but, like, I love New York. I I could definitely live there. but, um, like, yeah, New York is definitely my, like, realm of, like, place to be, so. And and I second you on that. I'll I'll be up there. We're just <laughs> in D.C., and so if you're ever in the nation's capital, um, you're more than welcome to, to, to visit us. So we'd love to, certainly love to have you. I mean, you ha- you, you're our youngest guest. Um, oh, really? today, yeah, but you have more experience probably in your pinky finger than <laughs> people three times your age, and it's just been such a delight to, to have you on our show. Yes, well, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, and uh, I know you do have a website for uh, your performances, and uh, we will have a link to your website on your show page and also uh, or on your guest page and also on the show page where um, this interview is heard. Okay, that sounds good. Um, my YouTube is also um, youtube.com forward slash Pavlina Music, and that has all, all my celebrities and Oh, wonderful. Pavlina, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you, my dear. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more of World Footprints, including our World Footprints travel report of the latest breaking travel news, visit us at worldfootprints.com. And while there, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we'll see you on the air again real soon. And until then, we wish you blue skies and purposeful travel that leaves positive footprints one step at a time. Hi, guys. My name is Sandy Best, the Sandy Best from Lake Louise. 
Lake Lake Louise, it's in Alberta. Alberta's in Canada. Banff National Park. Natural beauty. The only place you should go with is World Footprints Radio. They spend their time looking at those special places that are not tourist traps. There are not thousands of people. For the best on the planet, go with World Footprints Radio. World Footprints Radio is a presentation of Travel and On Media Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.